Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit and this podcast where I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, my colleague, now my business partner as well, um, Gigi Johnston. How you doing, Gigi? I'm good, B. So I'm really excited to um, share you with my audience and also to share this with our audience that we're building together. Um, and we'll tell you more about that, all of those of you who are listening. But real quickly about um, Gigi. Gigi is the founder and owner of Downstream Partners. And uh, Gigi, will you tell us a little bit about Downstream Partners? Sure. Uh, I started this company almost 13 years ago. Um, and I, I started it because I spent my career in public relations. And what I found is that where we really got stuck sometimes was in the alignment and the communication and the strategic focus of the team. And so I moved my focus from public relations and more um, the communication emphasis into how to support teams and leaders in becoming more strategically aligned. So that is really what I do. I work with um, organizations and teams in having more fun at work in understanding themselves and each other more effectively and getting focused on their strategy. Oh my God. If there was a job for an Enneagram social too, I think you just like described it. Like that's like the perfect job, right? Lucky so. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, that's Gigi among many things. That's her Enneagram type and subtype is social too. So we'll be talking about that. And, and, in addition to all of that, um, Gigi is here in Denver. We're almost neighbors, and I know you work with clients all over the, the country, maybe the world, but um, you are based here in Denver. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to just share this conversation with the world. So here we go. Great. Me too. So um, Gigi and I met a while back and we have much in common. We also complement each other very well for those who are listening with the Enneagram. As, as you know, I'm an eight and she's a two and there's that line between us, as you can see if you're watching on the video behind me. Um, and so there's like this kind of um, balance that I think an eight and a two bring to one another. And I knew the moment I met Gigi, she could bring some balance to my kind of intense eightness and you've talked me off the ledge a few times and it's really just great to have that sort of counterbalance and that partner in you. Um, Gigi is um, not only, um, you know, bringing that two-ness to my, our work together, but also a lot of different systems and tools. And maybe you, you could talk to those systems and tools and then um, even address a little bit about how the Enneagram kind of, I don't know, supports that. Well, <clears throat> one of the things that I start many clients with, many client teams with, is 
um, a tool called Emergenetics. And I find Emergenetics to be a psychometric tool that is very accessible. It's very easy to understand and that people can walk away from our first conversation with each other and immediately begin implementing it. Um, so it is something that I just find is very supportive to teams and their effective communication. Um, <clears throat> I also use a couple of 360 tools because, hey, as leaders, we really need to understand our impact on others and how we're showing up. And so I use the EQ360, which looks at emotional intelligence and how that is showing up in the workplace in a variety of different um, groups so that we can look at how am I behaving with my peers? How am I behaving with my direct reports? How am I behaving with my boss? And what's different there? So what do I need to pay attention to? Um, the other one that I really like to use for leaders is called the leadership circle. And this is what I look at like an MRI for your leadership. It really looks deeply into your underlying beliefs and habits that impact the way that you're showing up. Yeah. Um, a few others that I use, I use the, um, the TKI, the Thomas Kilmet. Kilman instrument, um, which looks at conflict modes and how we engage in disagreeing with one another, which is an important part of getting work done effectively. And I'm super excited to be adding the Enneagram to this beautiful, um, insightful way for leaders to start to take a look at who they are and how they're showing up and for team members to understand that. So I'm learning a lot about myself, um, about my clients through you and the Enneagram. Wow. Well, that's quite a, a tool chest that you have to draw upon a lot of different systems. And I love that you have so much, I don't know, diversity. I have, you know, the, the Enneagram is just its own thing and it goes kind of ancient and wide, but you, know, you have all of these different systems to draw upon. I guess that takes me into... Um, just a fundamental question, you know, as we're recording this, this is uh, Martin Luther King Day. And I guess in tribute to this man and his mission, which hopefully everybody listening to um, was and is a part of, which is to bring true freedom to the world, to bring equality, equity, to bring um, liberation. Maybe, you know, sort of dedicating our conversation to that vibe, to that ethos, even if we're not specifically dealing with, you know, issues of freedom. I think we internally we are. And I guess one of the things I hear when you bring up all those systems, I know I grapple this with this with my system with the Enneagram, is sometimes it's perceived as the antithesis of freedom to be, you know, let's say. I go through emergenetics or I go through, you know, leadership circle. I know this is kind of a reaction people have to it sometimes. Well, I don't want to be reduced to that color in the emergenetics or that number in the Enneagram. I'm more than that, which is kind of funny too, because I usually hear this from the same Enneagram types. They think they're so free and they say the same thing, which begs the question, you know, what's freedom? But how do you respond to that? Because I know that that's not what you're doing. You're actually helping people become free, but I'm sure you've also heard the sort of visceral reaction to some of these systems. Absolutely. And right off the bat, none of us can be boiled down to 
a set of data um, in any of these tools because we're too multifaceted for that to happen. So I look at um, these tools that that I've mentioned as being a way to understand myself more and to understand the people who I work with more. And, and I do understand what you're saying because I did my first Emergenetics assessment in 1998. And I did it in a leadership group with 50 other um, female leaders that were selected to be a part of this leadership program. It was called Influence of Denver. And I did my Emergenetics and then I was utterly devastated by the results. Wow. I cried in the middle of all of these leaders. I was in tears because I thought to myself, how can I be a leader of a company and not have these really key aspects show up in my profile? Because I am a more divergent thinker, or at the time we called that right brain, mm -hmm. where I, my thinking is more intuitive, more spatial, more visual in the way that I make sense of things. And I really felt like an effective leader at that time that I should have been able to be more convergent, mm. logical, rational, linear, sequential in the way that I made sense of information. So I feel like that first moment when I got my Emergenetics profile back from Gail Browning, who is the creator of Emergenetics, I, it was my invitation to freedom, to stop defining myself that I have to be this way or that way in order to be an effective leader and to start to accept and love myself. Hmm. And that's been, that's a journey that I'm not finished with. You know, I'm still working on it, but that was the beginning step. It's so interesting. You say that and thank you for sharing. It's always vulnerable to share some of those moments. Um, I've only ever had that ex that reaction, that sort of extreme reaction um, with the Enneagram, with Enneagram 2s. Fascinating. It's interesting. I mean, because I've had maybe two or three times that's happened where there was this either, either there were tears elicited or there was this almost anger blame towards me as if I created the system or something. And I had to sort of walk myself out of that and explain where you got to on your own. But it's just an interesting thing that those are the, the three times I've had that experience have been with Enneagram to the helpers. And why is that B? Well, Enneagram to the helper is um, the most relationship oriented of all the Enneagram types. And I think that they put a level of pressure on themselves as it relates to relationships more than any other type. So, you know, I mean, you described it, you said I should, right? You started, as I call it, you started shooting all over yourself, the should, 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 should. And, but it happened to be in relationship to, you should be relating better to others. You should know yourself better in relationship, right? And mm -hmm. so I just think that there's so much pressure unconsciously, reactively on relationship that twos tend to feel very disappointed in themselves when they don't feel like they've lived up to that. Interesting. Well, I will say that when I got my Enneagram results back, um, and you have helped me a lot understand myself since, since we've done this, but I was not happy with being a two at all. 
And I was like, wah, wah, I'm a two. <laughs> <laughs> um, every type says that except for Enneagram 7. They like being them. You know, the 7 yeah. is the enthusiast. And so they're probably the most proud of their type. But everybody else has an ick factor, but no type has it like quite like the two. The ick factor is, is alive and well for some of those reasons, I think. But um, there's a sensitivity. Look, sensitivity is, you know, we say it sometimes like it's a negative. It's a beautiful thing to be sensitive, to be able to feel is a wonderful thing. The challenge with two sometimes is turning that off or turning that down or muting it a little bit so it's not quite as... You know, like nobody wants a sensitive tooth. You got to sort of cover that piece up a little bit so you can drink ice water. And I think with the twos in general, that sensitivity is a blessing and a curse. Well, you have really helped me um, since we've started working together, understand my two in a brand new, much more expansive way. Because I think that my two was a little like schleppy. <laughs> you know, kind of, I, I, I was doing things maybe not out of so much freedom as obligation and fear and maybe some need too. And I feel like since we've st started our work together um, in the last year, I've really understood the strength of my two and how not to overuse it. Mm-hmm at the same time. And so it's been really helpful for me both personally and professionally and in running my business. So I also think that with twos, it's kind of a revelation, whereas other types, I think, know that they, they have shadows and know what the shadows are a little easier because I, I think we point them out. Like as an eight, I, you know, I react and respond as an eight. I usually say that instead of I am an eight because I am not an eight. You are not a two, but, you know, sometimes I forget. And um, with eights, I've been told my whole life, you're too much. You're too big. It's too, the energy's too intense, right? You're being an eight hole. I've been told that by my wife many times. <laughs> it's right there. Like nobody has, I don't even have that term for a two because I think we dance a little bit around the two because of the, you know, where it's coming from is a good place. And usually what it's directed towards is another person. And we appreciate that. So I think you're up against a bigger challenge sometimes than some of the other types because we dance around the shadows of a two. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, you know, my my shadow is, is my ability to see myself and to not define myself only through others, but to understand my own needs and my own desires and, um, and to communicate those. And that is, I mean, even at the point I am in my life, you know, I have four kids, I have five grandkids, I'm still working on it. I'm yeah. still working on defining those needs and expressing those needs. But what you have helped me understand is how much more effective I am when I do that. Mm. So there's freedom in just owning owning my shadow. You know, I think there's a lot of freedom in owning our shadows. It's such a relief when we, when we finally can just recognize it and quit running from it. Absolutely. I know you're, um, you know, practitioner and student of uh, Brene Brown. And I think she really brought to um, our consciousness as a society, the, the price we pay for hiding those shadows 
the shame that's involved and, you know, the liberation that comes when we can just be honest. Like we all have shadows. There's a, there's a saying in the Talmud, the greater the woman or the taller the woman, the longer the shadow. Like you can't have it both ways. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to do big things, you're going to cast the big shadow. So, you know, we, we tend to want to just look at the tall aspects, the good aspects, the light aspects and not deal with the shadows. But there's such liberation of just saying, here it is, right? I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to explain. I'm just going to look at it, sit with it, be honest about it. Like that's, ah, oh, that's liberation. Yeah. How do you feel you help people the most to get to that place in their in their careers and their lives where they can look at their shadows because I have clients who can, and then some who just aren't able to do it. That's a great question. I, you know, there's certainly not a way. Um, I look at the picture behind me, the Enneagram is that's one of the beautiful liberating aspects of it is I don't see you as a number. When I talk about you as a two, when I, look at your profile, when I see, you know, your particular um, sort of summary of how you've answered the questions, I see sort of the ways you've become stuck, the ways you've allowed yourself to become stuck, and the ways we can help you get unstuck. And that's very different usually as a two versus as a five, right? Some of our best friends in life are fives. And in your case, your husband is a five. Mm -hmm. Those are very different shadows to get stuck in. And so I can only answer based on, I can't, it's sort of a generic, but a specific, and let's just take the two. That two is always orienting towards other. You just said that. Part of my work with a two is to help them get back to their self not as selfish, because this is one of the challenges for a two. The whole world has conspired against you, telling you things that reinforce your shadows, like it's better to give than receive. This is some stupid mantra we've adopted as a society, and you've been told as a two, you know, as a, as a woman, you're often told this more than as a man. Um, you know, like our, our society just kind of reinforces some of these things for certain types. And I see this with a lot of female twos, but that's selfish for me to make time for myself, to do this work for myself, to say no. I can't think of a bigger one for a two than the liberation of two letters, N-O, period. Not N-O, but N-O and N-O, I got to explain this away, N-O, period. And the two usually goes, oh, I can say that. I can do that. That's liberation. I even see you nodding your head. You you resonate with that. I absolutely do. And you you termed it vitamin no. That's <laughs> vitamin, vitamin N. Yeah. So I'm working on that. I am working on that. But it is it is a challenge. And I think you know you brought up Brene Brown, and and you know that I do the Dare to Lead work. Um, and I and as a two, I I do feel that in my shadow are some little patches of shame mm -hmm. around the fact that having my own needs is kind of shameful. And, and there's lots of reasons why, you know, I'm that way. Um, the, just the way I was conditioned and, and my personality, but the freedom of, of sort of exposing those dark patches of shame is it, it's just 
more incredible than I ever could have imagined to do mm. that. Well, and also as it relates back to what you said about clients and, you know, now that I'm working in the business space with you more, because I come from the individual counseling world, I see, I see it alive and well in business space of we don't deal in shadows. This is not a shadow workplace to the point where I even said shadows and a company that I'm working with said, can you like think of a different term than shadows? I'm like, I call it whatever you want. You know, like it's still what it is. And we got to be able to go into it. And not only should we, not only should we learn how to accept it, but like you're describing, there's power in the shadow, yeah. right? There's energy. It is shadows are not bad. It's just that it's energy that needs to be harnessed, used for a greater good. So that's, I think, some of the work that we're starting to explore, pioneer together. And I even think today, MLK Day, as I mentioned, you know, we like to um, turn MLK into this saint, like Saint Martin Luther King, like he was um, not human. This was a man who had tremendous anger. Listen to his speeches, right? He's an eight. He's angry. But what's his greatness is he learned how to harness that anger into what I call righteous indignation, right? We, you know, I have a dream is listen to that. That's like fire. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful quality unless you don't harness it, right? Unless you don't do something good with it. So I think our work, as I've seen it, is really exploring how do we reframe the shadow, go into the shadow in a safe, you know, secure way and find the energy and do something positive with it. Absolutely. And there's so much richness and untapped potential in that shadow that leaders who are leading in today's very, you know, stressful and changing and exciting world, they have to learn how to tap into parts of themselves that they've never tapped into. That's the work. And as I said, it's never done. You know, leaders are, are never finished with this. So is that part of, of the reluctance? I know you have some um, tools that you described earlier that are less popular than others, right? Like, for instance, it, sound, it seems to me like Emergenetics, which I love. It's a little more, you know, on the surface kind of entry level exploration versus Leadership 360, which is a much deeper dive. Is, isn't that true? part of the hang up around those? I think so. I mean, Emergenetics is really great to help a team understand their communication needs and pathways. Mm -hmm. So it's a self-assessment. So the, the results are, you know, this is how I see myself. So there's not as much pushback on that. Whereas when we go into the leadership circle, that's a 360 and we're looking at you know, a multitude of different leadership dimensions that have been deeply researched. And so when you get feedback on that, both from your self-assessment and your Raiders assessment, it can kind of push some buttons mm. because it's like, well, I'd rather, I'd rather keep moving through the work and my leadership not knowing those things because it's painful to look at them. But my thing is, if they're happening and people feel that way, isn't it better to know? <laughs> I think it is better to know because once we know and have awareness, then we make choice and we can create change. Um, 
I think that that's a big part of it is the other evaluation, right? People weighing in on us. It's, it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes, you know, like Ariella doesn't like to re-listen to her podcast. She doesn't like the sound of her voice. She doesn't, you know, I think it's a very natural thing. Like we're not used to hearing ourselves. I'm like, that's what I sound like. But I've had to do it for professional reasons for so long. I'm very comfortable listening to it. Like I'm just used to the whatever. And I'm numb to it in a, in a healthy way. I, I'm, I'm less sensitive to it. And I think that it's sort of a learned behavior where you just have to, it takes a tremendous open heart and courage to, to put yourself in that position. But I think once you get going in it, it can get easier. Would you agree? I, I agree. And when we set up the system to be supportive and to be open to change and to learning, that really creates a lot of what we call in Dare to Lead a brave space. Mm -hmm. um, we say less about a safe space because safety for everybody is different. But if we have a brave space, it means that we can ask questions and look at hard things and um, ask for what we need from each other in that process. I love that. Brave space. Mm -hmm. Good good shift in language. Um, and then I think, you know, back to what we were saying before, if we can start helping people realize it's not something to be gotten rid of, it's something to be unpacked, to be utilized, harnessed, right? As for something greater than yourself. This is the Frankel piece, right? To, to find your why. Like, what's the why in that shadow? As a two, the sensitivity, as an eight, the vulnerability, whatever it might be, um, that gives me a purpose. I can do something with it as opposed to just, I don't know, healing it and making it go away. Right. Well, and I would even go so far as to say, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm there yet, but to, to love it because it is a part of who I am and it came from you know, all of the experiences that have made me who I am. That's, that is what my shadow is. And so if I can love it and even, you know, my husband, different shadow, cause he's a five and, and he's has a very different emergenetics profile than I do, but I love that part of him instead of saying, Oh, that's different. And I don't like that. So fix that. Mm -hmm. I think we have to stop saying that to ourselves too. You know, we have to own it. We have to understand it, but we, it's not something that we need to necessarily fix. Well, it works really well in the leadership circle too, because anybody who does the leadership 360 piece sees a circle and that the bottom half, unlike the Enneagram, you know, there's no bottom half to the Enneagram per se, but the bottom half of leadership 360 is the reactive, is the shadowy side. And you can hear people say they want to stick with the top half of the circle. But the problem is, is you can't have half a circle. Nope. It's a, a circle is a circle, right? right? It's the whole thing. And in a lot of ways, the reactive on the leadership circle is the juiciest part. It's just so juicy. And it, it really lends itself to incredible transformation and development in, in our lives and as leaders. So I love that we're using the Enneagram to understand that reactive even more than, than I've done on my own. So I'm really excited about that. So you have, you have so many great systems and I'm learning a tremendous amount. The one, the one thing I do believe I've seen in the Enneagram that I haven't seen certainly like in uh, Myers-Briggs or DISC or Strength Finders, as great as those are, 
the Enneagram deals in the, the shadow transform. Frankel calls it transforming tragedy into triumph. I would call it transforming darkness into light. And the Enneagram really deals in that core shadow, like we're describing, of how to go into it and extract that energy, that meaning. Um, so, so I do think it's a nice compliment to your beautiful, you know, system. Well, I, I mean, the excitement is really around how we take these tools because that's really what they are. And we help our clients create learning and transformation and growth. I, I, I really am excited about the, the opportunity to do that with you. And there's nothing more fun and more rewarding than to see a group of leaders or a team understand themselves better. There, there's just nothing better than that for me right now in my life. I really enjoy that. And, and we need it in our world. We need organizations and teams who can be more effective together. And the other piece of that I would add, yes. And um, I love seeing in the corporate space and in, in the organizational space, not just cheap talk about creating a culture of vulnerability, creating a culture of you know, honesty, but actually embodying it and creating a culture that doesn't just say it and then everybody goes their own ways and judges and punishes and whatever for being vulnerable, but actually rewards that um, and celebrates it. And I'm seeing that in the people, you know, in the clients that you're bringing to us. These are forward thinking. These are open hearted people who are really, I think, transforming industry. I'm so lucky because I feel like um, client organizations and clients who don't want to change are not very attracted to me <laughs> because, because it's a lot of work. And so if you don't want to change and you're not open to looking deeply, then I'm probably not a great consultant for you. So the clients that we have are the ones who are willing to look and who want to dig in and do the work. And I'm so grateful for them. Well, it's beautiful because I have seen it firsthand as we wrap up, um, you know, in the organizations and the companies that you have introduced me to, these are, this is liberating. This is not like, oh, another have to, it's, it's, a, it's a get to, I get to do this work. I get to access these um, resources and tools. You know, one company has gone so far as to put them on their wall, like these beautiful, paradigm shifting, you know, shadow work stuff on the wall of a business. It's like, my God, this is exciting. And I don't think anybody in that business who you mentioned Emergenetics or now the Enneagram to has anything other than questions and excitement and enthusiasm around this. That's been my experience. I, that is absolutely true. Absolutely. That's liberating. That's not a burden. That's not, you know, oppressive or reductionistic. No. That's why I have the best job in the world. <laughs> well, I am so thrilled to be exploring your best job in the world. And I agree with you. And I think that uh, we are just at the beginning of in a society that's opening up to these conversations, that's willing to have them now in businesses. And where it goes, I don't know, but I know it's going somewhere. And I'm really excited to be uh, by your side on this journey. Me too. Thanks, B. Thanks. And I know we're going to do many more podcasts. So for everybody listening, don't worry. Gigi will be back and hopefully a regular. 
Um, we'll take her whenever we can get her. So thanks, Gigi. Thank you. And to our listeners, jump over to um, the defiantspirit.org. I got a new website that's still under construction, but it's pretty much done. And of course, you should jump over to um, Downstream Partners, downstreampartners.com and learn more about my good friend and partner, Gigi. And I know you won't be disappointed. You can connect with her there. And until the next time, live your number and or defy your number and live your spirit. And we will catch you in the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.